Welcome to Smart Creation, the podcast, an invitation to explore the potential of sustainable fashion. Every other Wednesday, Adrian, your host, talks to key players in the fashion industry to discover new products and understand the challenges behind offering more responsible fashion and learn the solution available today. This podcast is brought to you by Première Vision, the leading event organizer for fashion professionals. To find out more, go to www.premiervision.com. Discover and enjoy. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening Smart Creation, the podcast. Today, I am talking with Rune Olof. My very first question is... Um, who you are. Uh, could you please introduce yourself, uh, where you are right now, where you come from, and uh, come back on your career path, please. <laughs> Three questions in one. Absolutely. I'm <laughs> uh, Yeah, as you said, I'm Rune Olaf. I, um, I'm based in Berlin, I'm, I, but I'm from Copenhagen. Uh, right now, I'm in my home office speaking to you. So that's that's where I've been spending most of the time uh, here at my home office and in our new uh, new warehouse uh, for Pool. I'm uh, I'm the founder of a, a co-founder of the, a subscription platform for menswear uh, based in based in Berlin that we that we founded uh, mid COVID last year uh, in in May. Um, so yeah, that's that's me. Um, I'm as I said, I'm I'm from Copenhagen and I've. I've uh, spent my entire career in the fashion uh, lifestyle industry, and I've I've uh, I grew up with in my career I grew up with uh, distribution and sales as my my expertise, and uh, I kind of worked my my way around that. And uh, of course, also with that, I think I visited every single fashion week around the world for men's and women's, and I joined that train of, of fashion weeks throughout the year. Uh, so I really I really learned a lot from that. Um, as an educational background, I have, I have a bachelor in fashion communication entrepreneurship uh, from IED in Barcelona, and um, yeah, that, I think that's that's about it. That's that's me. Um, Great. Um, maybe could you please um, uh, go a little bit deeper in in your previous career, what you've been doing exactly? Um, you you worked for Gany, you f you founded uh, Sardine. You worked for Pali as well. Uh, it's 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 a lot of uh, sexy brands. Uh, what have you been doing? <laughs> that's a, that's the last three. That's the last. That's the last three years. I uh, I I um, I can start with uh, when I came to um, uh, I came to uh, Berlin eight years ago. Uh, I came here to work for an eyewear company called Makita, and back when I started. Uh, they were based in Mitte, in a small backyard uh, location. Uh, I don't know if you know Maikita, but Maikita is producing everything in-house. So you you have the entire supply chain uh, under one roof. Uh, so that was extremely exciting. And, and, and also from a sustainability angle, this was, of course, very exciting to be able to see every single step and control every single step. Um, I came in as... Uh, the commercial lead, so so kind of leading the brand uh, into a new area for them, which was more like a lifestyle uh, area. And so going away from only uh, being a pure optical brand and then going into fashion retailers and lifestyle retailers. And um, it was nice. It was started as a very small team, and we kind of built built up a lot of collaborations around that brand. Uh, we worked with Montclair, uh, Maison Martimagella, uh, to name a few, Damia Doma and so forth, and kind of like set 
uh, a lifestyle standard for the brand. Uh, of course, I didn't do that alone, but we had a really, really strong team, and that team stayed on board for a long time. So we, I kind of grew with that brand um, as a as a great career step for me. Uh, and I spent almost five years with them. Uh, and when I was kind of done with, <laughs> I don't know if you call it corporate life, but when I when I wanted to start a an entrepreneurial career, I actually started uh, as a freelancer uh, with Parlay for the Oceans. Um, and I worked very close with uh, Cyril Gutsch, the, the founder, and also a big inspiration to me um, and his ocean work. Um, my my project for, was basically to 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 look at uh, a lot of the materials that they've been collecting over the, the the many years that they've worked, and all the volunteers that are working on coastlines and deep ocean, uh, collecting all these plastics. And uh, I came on board when they started doing a lot of. Uh, what do you call it, like business development for some of these products. And, and we started uh, developing ideas and concepts that could actually uh, be uh, where we could create products from, from this material and look at how we could maybe uh, create brands and products uh, of the material and, 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 and use that as vehicles for change, so to speak, uh, which was super inspiring for me and, and, and a great time. I spent 12 months with them in this consultancy role. And, and that led to a partnership with Seville, actually, uh, starting uh, Sardine where we had a, a great group, group of people involved. Uh, Sardine was, was, came very much out of the, the conversations I had uh, with Sardine at Parlay because it was, it, was a, it was a pre-order platform and we wanted to take away this whole waste stream of estimations in the industry where you're estimating what will, what will happen um, ahead of time. And obviously that's how all the fashion weeks work. You know, you're, you're buying into seasons and, and you... you I mean, no, we can calculate it and we can push marketing money at it, but we won't be able to tell 100% if that's the products that are going to leave the shelf. So we'll always create sort of the waste stream. Um, and from an industry standpoint, it's always around 30% that will be produced too much. So, so, so Sardine was really looking at that and saying, like, what if we invite the end consumers into the design space and, and into the, the the, the process before products are actually estimated to be produced um, so as a pre, pre-order. It's sort of like a kickstart of a fashion. So we, we, we found eight different designers that we worked with, uh, and, which was super exciting. And we kind of invited them in and they showcased their designs before they produced anything. And we created these campaigns. It worked really well, but it was really a pilot project. And, um, and we, we, we just couldn't, uh, we couldn't get the end consumers to, to buy in. Uh, on the idea that they would have to take the risk of buying something that didn't exist yet because that's normally what the industry is doing. Um, but I know that other platforms are working and perhaps it's also maybe not the right products because um, I know that Kickstarter is working, of course, for a lot of different products and maybe fashion is just not, not meant to be be working like this. And quite frankly, there's enough products in the market so maybe we don't need to work on pre, pre, pre-orders or pre-productions and maybe just look at what we already have and exactly. what exists exactly. today. Um, but that, that actually led me to, to, to work with Ghani. Nikolai was also one of the, yes. Nikolai, the founder of Ghani, uh, the co-founder of Ghani was also one of the supporters, uh, financial supporters of Sardine. So we started uh, working together uh, after that and I became a consultant for Ghani and I was working with them on their sustainability strategy, uh, with their C-suite and also with their sustainability team uh, that they were just building up uh, at that time. Um, it was quite an interesting time at Ghani because they were just, they had just been, uh, acquired by the El Caddison Group, the LVMH subgroup. So, so that it was just an exciting time. A lot of things were changing internally, and it was a good time also to create change for their sustainability actions. Uh, they had a whole a lot of things set up at Ghani, uh, so that was an amazing, 
amazing place to come in and learn uh, and also speak about their strategy outwards uh, when they talk about sustainability. And we developed this this model that they use today um, uh, as an internal tool of sustainability understanding and understanding the goals that they are setting uh, as teams and in divisions and then outwards afterwards. So I think it ended up being 48 goals altogether. But... Um, but we should maybe also talk more about pool because that's what's really exactly exciting. <laughs> exactly. But I think it's always interesting to have a have a background of a person we interview to to really understand what yeah, brought totally. to Absolutely. what actually what brought to you to uh, to create yeah. pool. What what is pool? What is the concept and uh, what it is about? Can you explain us uh, uh, pool, please? Absolutely. So um, pool is uh, a platform that uh, uh, we call it a wardrobe freedom. So it's a, it's a platform that lets you have a lot of garments, but you don't own it. So it's an access over ownership concept. Um, most people know these platforms as subscription wardrobes or rental wardrobes, but we like to call it a wardrobe freedom. Uh, what you do is that you have a monthly fee, and for that monthly fee, you can wear and swap the garments that we have in our library. Uh, right now, it's a Berlin-based company, so we have a Berlin pool, and we're going to build more pools around Europe uh, is the plan. So the pool of Berlin serves the people in Berlin. And uh, we, of course, uh, do uh, at the moment, it's a lot of, it's the click and collect service. In the future, people can also come and try on and, and use it more as a resale location. And then obviously, we also have same day deliveries. Um, so we, we see it as an extended wardrobe to your own. Um, it's based on the simple idea, and this is an old idea, but you, you, you typically wear 20% of your wardrobe 80% of the time. And if we have 80% of dead garments in every wardrobe out there, then, then that's extremely static and non-dynamic. And we wanted to bring some, um, some modern tools into the wardrobe and make it uh, less static and, and make it smart. Um, and we wanted to do that with a foundation in sustainability. Um, so the, the way we set it up and the understanding of the reason why we wanted to do it in a foundation of sustainability is that the more we wear the same garments and the more we share the same garments, the less we will essentially produce. And um, we know that it's not one-to-one. Uh, if if someone rents or, or wears one garment, they, they, they might buy another one. We know that it's not a one-to-one game, but we also know that there will definitely be a lot of people that will rent instead of buying. So that's an increase in in, in, in consumption and overconsumption, so to speak. And the second part for us is really prolonging garments' lives and and using the garments that we have. So in this case, uh, we are not asking any other brands to produce new products for us. We are not uh, looking at the newest collections that they have and ordering ordering from the latest season in order for them to produce for us. We're actually just going into the stock levels that they already have existing. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we, we started mid-COVID. <laughs> so when we started, uh, we obviously didn't plan on starting mid-COVID, but that, that's what happened. And uh, at this time, everyone starting, all the retailers started canceling their orders. And that became quite interesting because canceled orders is actually one of the one of the big reasons why people have stock or brands have stock. Um, so we started working with brands on this kind of stock, and today we have 25 uh, contracts with different brands. Uh, and and the products we work with is mainly cancelled orders. Uh, it's samples and it's surplus or dead stock, whatever you whatever you name it. Uh, and these are these are products that are three months old or ten years old. Can be ten years old um, or even more. 
Um, just to, to finish the process, so what we're doing, so when the products are coming in, we're obviously onboarding, in, onboarding them to our system. Uh, everything gets a, a – a, I mean, most all the products are new, so they all have hang tags, and they come in and we unwrap them out of the poly bags and recycle the plastic, of course. Uh, and and once they then come into a showroom, we, we run them through this whole sort of – onboarding of content where we shoot pictures of these products and uh, we onboard them into our inventory and it's quite interesting because once you mix all these products you can't see which season they come from unless you are a, a, a super expert into all the brands and into all the seasons and patterns that they all used it actually just becomes a, a big wardrobe of great products and um and and i mean that's been one of the first learnings that we had when we started that nobody can really spot which seasons from so so the, per- the same person might take something from spring summer 20 but also take a pair of pants from spring summer 16 uh but it's the same feeling uh when he walks out of the door um because he got two products that he could use that same evening or that weekend or whatever it is cool that's very interesting i love um my, my very first question that comes to my mind is uh, we are talking a lot about um, durability of a product, you know, in the sense that uh, it is uh, strong and very uh, robust. Um, what do you see uh, with the brand you are working with? Uh, is the, the products you are buying to to to, um, to 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 rent them or to yeah? Can we say to rent uh, afterward or to yeah? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> very. Uh, I mean, and, and how do you make your choice? I mean, are, are you basing your choice on this uh, uh, durability uh, aspect of a garment? Mm, yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt that we, the branding or servicing your wardrobe is not the only solution. Of course, uh, we're also looking at a lot of brands that that work with um, sustainable supply chains and work with with great and. Um, uh, materials and durability in their design process that's of course a great sustainable attribute to any brand um, but it's still producing new in a linear system so what we're saying is that we bring it into a circular or a swirling system that's changing between users and it, and it stays with us so we can also we can we can see what happens at the end of the life of a product so that's that's the important note for us um, obviously when we look at brands and we look at products we are trying to buy into the brand and trying to buy a uh, trying to curate a selection of products that fit that brand and that fit the users that we have. Uh, we know our, our customers very well. We are only running in a beta version. We just started last year, so we are very, very young stage. But you very quickly get into a point where you can understand that this customer wants this and this and this piece. So it's quite easy to track back and see what people rented because they come back all the time. So it's a it's a 100%, 100% reversed system. Uh, so it's quite easy to have that frequent conversation with people and understand, okay, so that shirt, did you wear it? No, I didn't wear it, but I'll take something else. And and so you, you quickly get an understanding of the people that we work with and, and how they like to wear their garments. Uh, so durability for us is one of our KPIs as a business. The longer the items last, the, the more we can circulate them. So obviously that's really important for us. Um, and the second part, and this will become important hopefully uh, in, in, the, like in the far future, but we are estimating that in, in 36 months from now, we'll have to start looking into how we recycle, recycle the garments that we have. And then it becomes extremely relevant, the compositions of the materials within the garments that we are ordering. Because uh, obviously there's some garments that are impossible to recycle and some uh, can actually be repurposed into, into other materials. Uh, for use in fashion or for other industries and um what is the what is the reaction so far of your very first clients um to 
to what extent they, they, I mean, they are coming back every every other week, every other month, every other six months. Um, on average, how long they, they keep the garments? Uh, what are your learning uh, um, after this first year of, um, well, the first few months uh, of activity? Yeah, we, we've been running this early access now, uh, early access uh, for the first customers for three months now. And we're learning a lot every month because we see the patterns changing. Um, we we have a completely open system uh, so we don't have any rules right now um, there's a monthly price and then you can use us as you would use it's perhaps a, a, an old school way of looking at it but as you would use a library with real books uh, not with ebooks but if you have one book you read that and you come back and you take another one uh, that's like what you can so you can increase your subscription by paying more and then you can have perhaps five items and then you can switch them in and out as you want um, what we can see right now is that people, it's like a gym. Some use us a lot. They come perhaps every week, every second week, and some they come every second month. Or, you know, some has been with us one time and they didn't come back. They just took the pieces. But we communicate with everyone through Instagram, and it's a really easy, easygoing process through the DM. Um, and um, and it, it kind of seems like it's working for a lot of, for a lot of the people that we have in because um, it it, I mean, it's been COVID, so it's also difficult to say. We were not, we were not there before COVID, and we haven't really been there after COVID. So it's also in this time where people don't go so much to events. It's mostly for online, online parties. Um, but uh, but what we can see is that they, they, I think that some of the the super users that we have, they use it instead of shopping online. So they use it instead of this feeling of I want to buy something new, I want to have something for this weekend. Then they come to us instead, and they get that feeling. And uh, of uh, of the endorphins of shopping, uh, and and in that way, it's it's just really exciting to to kind of work with them around their wardrobe because we are that extended wardrobe. So instead of them shopping something and sending it back or taking one piece out of the five that they bought, uh, we can actually just uh, play around with the wardrobe that we have, and they can pick whatever they want. And we're never looking at prices, uh, so that's also another thing. You know, there's one price tag for all products which really also changes the way you're dressing up yourself. Because typically I'm wearing something black today and I bought that some time ago because I know I wear black a lot. So it's like a doability thing for myself. But when uh, when people come to us, you know, they tend to maybe take patterns or colors they wouldn't normally buy at the high retail price because they, they know that they're not committing to this product for a long time. They're committing to it for as long as they feel it's right. Um, so that's definitely something that we've learned, we've learned the, the first couple of months. Um, and that that's just really exciting because it changes the game a little bit of how you how you're yeah. styling yourself. And what do you think people are, are ready for that kind of service uh, right now? I mean, it looks like th- this is something. This is a good idea that uh, everybody. I mean, a lot of people have been uh, trying to to implement over the last few years. But it sounds like r- now is the right moment. Why do you think so? Yeah, I mean. We feel yeah. it's completely the right moment, of course. But we 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 also know it's not a new model. It's been it's been it's been in the industry. That, I mean, for for many years, it's been something that's existing, especially in North America. There's quite a few platforms that's been been doing uh, rental doing well. services, and especially re- especially rental services for occasions. Um, I. Uh, uh, so, so, so we looked at it that from from that way, but maybe we need to take it away from these occasions because that's not what we are in right now. But maybe we need to take it into a day to day smart wardrobe, uh, and that's where that's really where we are very curious about the space and what we are working on is very much this extension of your wardrobe and the city service. You know, we as we are a city service uh, now starting in Berlin, 
Uh, we want to be very close to the community and the members that we have in Berlin in order to service them as an extended wardrobe. You know, it should be a same-day delivery. You should be able to change your mind very fast of getting the products in uh, and also just use us in that way. Uh, so that's that's what we believe is the future, that, that you will have an extremely small wardrobe at home and then you're kind of just working with these products. And we know it's already happening. I mean, we know that many of the users that we are or many of the customers that we are trying to approach, they already use reseller platforms. That's like their main go-to for shopping. And they are buying everything in order to sell it on to someone else later on. So they are already buying with this sharing habit in mind. It's just a higher number because they have to do everything themselves, uh, all the customer service, all the content production, and all this stuff. They are obviously doing themselves, and they are, they are, they are, the transactions go peer-to-peer. Uh, -peer. Uh, so, so I think that people are somehow educating themselves in sharing, And edu educating themselves in having things that they don't buy to own, but things that they know is going to be passed on to someone else. Uh, and, and we are fulfilling that service transaction that sits in between uh, as a completely new concept looking at, uh, of looking at fashion. Is it uh, the end of, um, of brands, <laughs> of, uh, of producing new garments? No, yeah. not at all. I mean, no, not at all. I think, I mean, one, one thing that becomes extremely exciting and that's almost, uh, you know, That's, 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 I hope it's going to be to the brand's advantage because what we can also do with this is to, 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 to gain a lot of insight, knowledge and data from the usage of their garments. Uh, we can feed back to the, to, to the brands to say that, you know, your buttons are always falling off or this fabric always breaks uh, whenever we've had it in uh, for, for a month or two. Um, so they, they can get a lot of really qualitative data coming out of our system. Not data based on users and who they are, but on, on, on wearing uh, of the garments, like actual usage. And this usage is typically what you what you would not have when you look at a cradle-to-cradle -cradle data point. I mean, all the points in, that are collected today is from the beginning of a product's origin to the sales gate. Nobody's really measuring from sales gate to, to the cradle or to the grave. And we can actually do that indirectly with the usage of the garments. So that's really exciting. But we also we need the brands from the creative perspective. I mean, everyone also wants to to see new things, and that's that's why we essentially started this platform. Is is you know the the idea that people wear garments wear more and more garments less and less and less time. So so we really think that this tendency in the industry is so strong that it's not going to go away, and we need to come up with a sustainable solution for this this shorter and shorter wearing time. Uh, and and we can do that if people don't own. Um, Because then we can actually service service this need for, for wearing new things. I think the latest statistics that I've seen is that, you know, in the fast fashion uh, contemporary uh, item uh, section of the industry, uh, people are wearing it three to five times before the garments are moved to to so, like somewhere else. If it's discarded or if it's sold on or if it's just moved to the back of your closet, but three to five times is extremely little, and it brings up the price per wear. So, so it brings it up so high. Right, like so. If you think about a retail price and you think about wearing this item three times, that's 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 completely insane. Um, and that that's that's really how we're looking at it. What today. is your your best seller, if I can say, <laughs> your best rental? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good question. We uh, obviously we're also looking at all that all that data. And uh, during these last three months, all our all our overcoats and and warmer items that would also typically be more expensive and very seasonal, were doing very well. Um, so that that was an obvious thing that we kind of also knew would happen, uh, but not to this extent. Um, in February, we didn't have any more jackets in our in our relatively small uh, small wardrobe. So so we we know now that we need to be a lot more focused on the way that the mm. seasons are moving okay. uh, up and, and down. If I 
in terms yeah. of just gamma weights. Uh, to be honest. Okay. If I want to work with you, uh, w what is the process? If I'm a brand, I mean. If I'm a brand and I want, yeah. If, if I'm a brand, <laughs> no, no. If I'm a brand and I want to work with you, uh, what is the process? The process right now is basically uh, basically a stock stock report of what the brand has on stock on hands, and uh, and in that way we are, we are working with brands in two different ways. One way is uh, a a consignment agreement where we are basically just moving the stock over to us uh, from their warehouse. We're freeing up the space and we're seeing if people want to rent it. And once these items are rented. Um, um, we are then purchasing the items at the agreed price from from the brands, uh, and so we we see it as a with de we are reactivating deactivated stock. Um, I know that many of the brands they are activating these stocks at flash sales or you know uh, sales in general when they go into different markets, um, but we 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 tend to look at it as. Uh, How do you think you you gonna um, you you gonna manage to 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 expand and to become uh, mainstream? But we we uh, we are planning we're planning to become mainstream city by city, and uh, <laughs> main, mainstream for us is a good thing. Um, we want to become mainstream because the more people we impact with this solution, hopefully the less uh, stupid shopping we can avoid, uh, or the more stupid shopping we can avoid. Um, meaning that you know people will rent instead of overconsume. So, so we hope to become mainstream in city by city, starting with Berlin as as the first space and the first blueprint for our concept. Um, we, I think we're working with a really, really strong list of brands right now. We are working in this uh, menswear space, but obviously we can easily expand on that as we go forward. This is just a way of us, way for us to start. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's pretty much pretty much how we how, okay. we, how we look at it. Uh, can, can you uh, name a, a few of uh, men's of the men's brand you are working with, just to to have an idea? Yeah, sure, sure. We have. Um, uh, I think probably the, the the biggest name we have is Comme des Garçons. We work with uh, we work through the with the with the directly with the German team here, taking taking out their stock. Uh, then we work with brands like Bybora out of Amsterdam. We work with Solan out of Copenhagen. We work with local designer Hien Lee. Um, so we work with a sort of it's a mid mid market contemporary uh, high end uh, mm. menswear labels. Um, there's there's 25 brands now and it's it's growing uh, on a monthly cool. basis. Um, well, you've been in this industry for a while now. Uh, what is sustainable fashion according to you? And how does this um, um, industry can uh, um, manage uh, its, uh, its sustainable revolution? Um, are you optimistic about what's going on right now in the industry? Do you think it's going quick enough, etc., uh, etc.? Et can you expand on that? It's it's definitely not going quick enough. A lot of things are happening, but it's not going quick enough. And I also don't think that you can really be a sustainable fashion brand. Um, everyone is taking, or sportswear brand, uh, everyone is taking resources that they're not really giving back. So in that sense, uh, it's not sustainable. So I, I, I think it's really difficult to use the word sustainability when you talk about fashion in general. Um, a lot of brands are doing great work in becoming responsible and doing less bad. Um, um, but that's about it. I think there's unfortunately a tendency for too many small projects uh, having too much budget in the marketing team, uh, unfortunately, uh, and too little done on the bottom line. I mean, there's 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 too uh, many organizations that to the end consumer feels very sustainable, uh, but when you start digging in, uh, it's only a very, very small partial part of their collections that are actually done in a responsible way. 
uh, if that's a social responsibility or an actual material that's done in a better way that's that's hard to say um so but but yes i feel i i feel like that the industry is moving and it's moving quite fast and you can really also see that just the last couple of years how things have have moved um and speaking about COVID, I mean, it's obviously really helped a lot. <laughs> it, it helped a lot in terms of slowing down uh, consumption. And slowing down consumption also means slowing down uh, in producing. Um, so, But that's only from an environmental point of view. Obviously, there's huge social effects when we slow down rapidly uh, to all the, the factory workers around the world that are that are depending on this industry. Um, so it's it's really a balance, and I, I don't know if I don't know if as an industry we can cope with the balance. I know that the brands can cope with changing as much as they can to become less bad, but I don't know if we can really cope with the global impact uh, of of changing and slowing slowing down so rapidly uh, as it's happening right now. Um, but it's yeah. I mean, just back. To, of course, I'm optimistic. I have to be optimistic. That's why I'm. That's why I'm working in the industry. But I really think that it needs a syst- systemic change. It needs a change uh, on all angles uh, from the materials that are being produced. Uh, they need to innovate. Uh, we need to innovate massively in this space. But as I'm working with uh, from a business perspective, we need to also change the way that products are being are being introduced to the market and how they're being helped by users and the end of life. Of course, that's exactly where we are. Yeah, uh, if I if I had to to start a business today in fashion uh, or or starting a brand today in fashion, what should I do to make sure I am one hundred percent sustainable? Not start a brand, you're gonna tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should start a circular wardrobe. No, I uh, I uh, I <laughs> I um. It's hard to say. I think there's some amazing examples of brands that are starting now. And all they do is to they, they take vintage pieces and they, they redesign them and they redefine their meaning and purpose. I think that's really nice. Uh, it's hard to scale those products because it, it, it means that you need to that you need to, to source a lot of finished products and, and redesign them. Um, you can't really you can't really put them on a, on a line like you do with the mass production. Uh, but I think that's that's one of the really nice uh, nice very unique and niche niche developments that are happening in the industry. Um, so that's that's what I would tell you to do. I think you should start a brand right now, but I don't yeah, think you should definitely. start a brand. All right. <laughs> There's a lot of great brands out there that yeah. we need to convert. First. But yeah, coming back on, on, on conversion and uh, to become a sustainable brand, I mean, switching from, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about all those brands. I mean, I mean, and especially a brand like, um, like Gany you, you've been working with, or I'm thinking Ooh. about, you know, people like Jacquemus or, 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 or I mean, mm. Those people, they started, they, they started their brand um, like ten years ago. I mean, a few years ago, and at the time, it was not very much such a, such a topic, uh, sustainability. Not as much as it is today. Uh, uh, I mean, starting a brand today from scratch at the end of the day, it's quite easy to make it uh, sustainable. But the transferring a brand um, that started decades ago and and switching it into a sustainable brand, that is a big challenge. Uh, how do you start? Where do you start? Should you start with a big corp certification? Should you start with changing your business model? I mean, it's, it's such a, such a nightmare. <laughs> such a nightmare. I think I think there's a lot of different ways of converting, but I think it always comes back to the way you are budgeting your changes. And I think that's that's the evidence always. It's like how how important is this change for the brand? 
because no matter how you look at it, of course, in the long run, I think it could be could be highly valuable for a brand to change into a more responsible direction. Absolutely, also from a business perspective, but it will always cost. It will always cost to change. If it's going from one material to the other, it will cost upfront to, to do this change. So whenever you're looking at brands and you're looking at brands converting, you can always start asking how much budget they're putting into the change because that's really where it has to start. If you're not willing to put in budget for the change, you're not willing to change. Um, so so that's that, I think that's 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 the way that I black and white look at it. And I I always I look at brands like in in a threefold. I mean, there's the there's the activist brands that have the loud voices, then they really change the users around. You know, they're great at communicating the stories and communicating what they're doing, and they're really changing user behavior on a consumer level. Then there's brands that are diving diving into um, uh, innovations and really trying to test all these new materials, biomaterials, and testing it out and figuring out if they can actually produce the same quality as they, they had previously. Uh, but with these new materials, and that costs a lot of money to do all this R&D. So that's great. And then the last section of brands that you really see often is these brands that are using their businesses to change the consumer, uh, if that's giving back or planting trees and so forth. Uh, unfortunately, I, be- I don't believe so much in these, these last brands because if sustainability is giving back at the end of your line, you're not changing anything in your core supply chain, and then you're not really becoming a sustainable brand. Uh, that's just uh, putting, a, putting a green tax on top of yourself, uh, and that can quickly be taken away. So that's really not changing your 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 company or your brand um, so so it, it has to st- i mean i really feel like it has to start from the inside it has to start from the top uh, it has to be uh, it has to be driven by the vision of a company it can't just be changing changing a few things around uh, and and paying a tax at the end of the day because that's not what it's definitely about. all right thank you so much uh, let's move to the quick uh, rapid fire question <laughs> part of this interview uh, what do you want to close the door to in our industry uh, overconsumption. Of course. Uh, what do you look at to get inspired? Um, do you like it at any other industry or or media or whatever? Oh, I mean, you, I I I'm, I'm like a nerd of documentaries. So I always look at a lot of documentaries, and the, the latest one you've probably seen it. It's called Sea Spiracy. Oh, yeah. It's uh, also developed with the with the oceans, uh, and the Palais team was also part of it. So. So I, I that's that's always mm-hmm. inspiring to me. What is the last piece of clothes you bought? <laughs> that is difficult. I just All bought right. some shoes, actually, some sneakers because we are not renting okay. out sneakers. So, okay. so you are renting now. You, I, I guess, you are your first customer, right? <laughs> Somehow, I'm trying not to take too much out, but yeah, I am definitely uh, not buying anything at the moment. Yeah, I'm trying. That's to a use good move huh? for for fashion addict. It's a very good move to start <laughs> to start this kind of business. <laughs> Um, who is the personality you would like to listen into this podcast? Uh, I mean, I, as I said before, like yeah. maybe Cyril Good should come in. He's the Palais founder, and I'd love to interview him definitely. And where can where can you find where can we find more about Pool uh, on internet? So you've got your your website, but uh, I mean, we only can have access to your mission statements, right? Um, you can you can find most about Pool uh, on okay. our Instagram. Uh, pool.berlin um, we've been trying to just go where yeah, people are <laughs> and uh, most of the users are on Instagram and um, and then we have our website but everything is being updated and, and slowly okay. developed uh, thank you so much Rin it was a pleasure to talk to you and to uh, understand a bit more about your, your business good luck for the future and uh, and speak to you soon 
Thank you so much for listening to our podcast till the end. If you want to support this initiative, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you follow. Just click on the subscribe button, rate it five stars, and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to share the podcast on your favorite social media. Thank you for listening to Smart Creation, the podcast, an invitation to explore the potential of sustainable fashion. 